A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Josh Brown, it is the Monday wind-up. I hope you're doing well. Hello, Scott Tilford. Someday I'll have an actual intro, but it's not today. Not today. Did you have no. a nice weekend? I had a lovely weekend, to be honest. I went to a lovely little garden and called Anna Garden. Very much recommend it. It's in the UK, in the northeast. And we just went around there. My little tiny nephew was on a little plastic digger. Aww. And I just pushed him around. He's on a lovely little time. That sounds in- incredible stuff, to I be know. Fair. So we do um, not relate to that. Well, how, how was your weekend? Mine was fine, thank you very much. Yes, uh, no, not, not as wholesome as that, but... Probably equally as nice. It's a nice time. Um, speaking of a nice time, um, the wind-up is usually, it's either me and you debating something or just whatever's going on in the gaming industry, um, all sorts of different news topics or whatever else we can get wound up about. So we're going to do a news uh, roundup. We've got four slash five stories to get through, um, but we're going to do a little check-in as well because the Sonic madness has not stopped. Now, some people have tweeted me saying that I've got them back into playing the bad Sonics because <laughs> um, I've been playing a little bit of Sonic Forces, but that, I have spent my time playing Sonic Generations. That is up there. That's up there with the original trilogy. And a lot of people, like, you know, people say Sonic Generations is one of the good ones, one of the only good 3D ones. It's brilliant. The final boss is horrendous, one of the worst things I've ever played, but the rest of it is stellar. Right, you're going to have to explain this to me in more depth, because as a, you know, not a Sonic fan, I know (laughs) all of the titles. I know Sonic Generations, I know Sonic Unleashed, I know Sonic Boom, but I couldn't exactly tell you which is which or what does what. So please explain (laughs) to me what Sonic Generations is and why it's actually genuinely good. So Sonic Generations is the first time after a string of horrible, let's just say lanky Sonic redesigns that came from the 2006 one, where they him really long legs and, and it was just that weird design the one where he's kissing that random princess and it was like what, what are you guys what are you doing Sega what are you doing so they finally did Sonic Generations I think it was in time for um, one of the anniversaries um, and it's 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 new age Sonic meets old original Sonic because um, a time demon gets loose as you do and uh, and so it's literally just like mixing classic old school side on 2D Sonic and um, rendered in 3D and the new version of Green Hill Zone looks, looks stellar and everything I bet it does with um, behind the back boost Sonic which is the thing that came in across the 2000s that they could just never get right. They sort of it would either move too fast or you wouldn't feel like you had enough control behind Sonic or whatever. And Generations melds those things, melds those things really, really well. Every single level has um, two approaches to it. Let's say you do the Green Hill Zone or Chemical Plant or whatever. You can do it as old Sonic, which will render it on the side. And they're completely different levels, but still themed the same way. Yeah. Um, you'll do that as like classic Sonic or you can do it as Boost Sonic and everything just controls differently and plays differently and the music changes. And it's just it's just so good. It's the old meets the new. And the story's really fun. You've got like both versions of Sonic and Tails and Robotnik meeting each other, and I'm just like, why was this not celebrated more? Hey man, in our post like Norway home universe, this <laughs> seems like it would be a hit. This How is was the this original. 
Not a hit. I know. Well, this is the original No Way Home. And I remember playing a tiny bit of Generations back in the day, but I was still in that, you know, all 3D Sonic sucks. You're not going to get me, Sega. It's not good uh, mode. And I still stand by, you know, 2D Sonic's great, but part of me is definitely warmed to Boost Sonic. I'm playing Sonic Dash on my phone. Of course you are. That's, that's how sick I am as a sick individual, in the words of JR, that it's just not something that, um, you know, is is for a sane mind. But I've definitely warmed to Boost Sonic. So when you give me Sonic Generations, because literally, I'm not going to talk about Sonic for that much more because I'm so aware <laughs> that it's an illness. But for the last week, um, you know, I've literally played 30 years worth of Sonic all in one go. I finished Sonic 2 again. I finished, um, I bought Sonic Colors. I finished Sonic Generations. And um, the only one that I've not played is Sonic CD, which I know a lot of People have that as their favorite, but I'm waiting to play that on the Sonic Origins collection, the new one that's going to be in June. I should also say that the reason these games are brilliant now is because they are all upscaled on the Series X. Um, um, Sonic Unleashed, Sonic Generations, um, and all the old school ones all run in 4K60, if not 4K 120. Um, which looks unbelievable and feels really cool, well, like, great, especially right? when it comes to Sonic Generation. You know, we've got all of these um, re-releases and upcoming remasters mm. and stuff like Sonic Mania and what have you, mm-hmm. but you were talking to me this morning, you know, before we started recording, about having the 30 years of Sonic history, mm. like you mentioned, just kind of all on available. The yeah, all on the dashboard, all in Game Pass, you know, mm. all on backwards compatibility, all available right there. Like, that's that's cool, man. That's a cool feeling. I remember when um, the big push towards digital consumption and stuff happened, obviously across the early 2010s, and I remember thinking, it's never going to feel as cool to have a set of tiles on a screen as it does to have, and I maintain that it doesn't feel as cool as having figures or collectibles or collector's editions, but having 30 years worth of a franchise to be dipped in and out of really, really fast because the Series X just instant loading is cool and if yeah. I want to literally go Sonic 1 to one like to Sonic Adventure played Sonic Adventure I back in the day didn't have a Dreamcast so like Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 2 was really good people always said it was good and when I dipped into it 10-15 years ago I was like what the hell is this but into my new toxic brain Love this. it's great so I like that your entire Sonic journey is now rewriting your brain to appreciate these games yeah. which is a good thing IMO because I, you know there is obviously a huge Sonic fandom out there who have you know lived and screaming it Sonic for years, yeah, and there must have been something. I always thought, you know, for as crapped on as they got, there had to have been <laughs> something there for that hardcore fandom to stay around and be remain interested. Do you know it what seems it is? Like there is at least something. I was thinking this when I was watching the movie, and good, good Lord, we're still talking about Sonic, but I yeah. realised when I was watching Sonic 2, I was like, what is it about this that is universal? And it's the fact that you run fast. It's that's it. Yes. Because you do that as a kid, and it's the coolest thing in the world. And then you never get sick of that feeling. Like running, fa- going fast is cool. And I remember. I think I said this to you off cam. I said I said this to someone in the blur of my life that isn't Sonic. Scott, literally, I Go remember on, what you're referring to. You, yes. You 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 took uh, the podium in the office and said it to everyone in the in in the office. You just <laughs> you just said this was your big thesis. And you know what? You were right. Please well, continue. Well, my yeah, my overall point was that if fla- the Flash, Sonic is the Flash. If the Flash got there first, if DC slash Warner Brothers, whoever got there first and made like 2D Flash games, like the Flash, the character, um, back in 1991 or whatever, they would have this entire market, but they didn't. And that's what Sonic did. And that's why he's immortally cool. It's why running fast is one of the coolest superpowers ever. Yes. And it's like, and it's why it's everywhere. It's in the boys. It's in, it's the Flash. Like it's, it, that's all it is. And I was like watching him run fast in Sonic 2 and going, that's what it is. He runs fast. <laughs> that's why I love him. And like in these new games, they let me run fast and it feels fast. And I like it. you got to go fast. Like, yeah. that is the tagline, and that is words, a phrase to live by. More frames per second than ever. Speaking of what you've been up to, um, you're still in your kind of franchise madness, or your genre madness. Well, this is it. Because you've been playing the old Hunters. Yeah, I'm coming out of the nightmare. I'm coming out of the Hunters <laughs> dream at this moment in time. Because like I said last week, you know, I just finished Bloodborne, and now I'm just onto the DLC. Mm. Didn't get a chance to play it too much, because I was away over the weekend. But it was one of those gimmicks where I was in a hotel room in Leeds, yeah. having a nice time, you know, waiting for a gig, and just thinking... 
I could play some Bloodborne right now, to be honest. I could be back in Newcastle. You could have been doing it. Playing some Bloodborne. If you had a PlayStation Vita, you would have been able to connect to your old PlayStation and potentially beam that in. That is true, but I would have ruined my girlfriend's weekend when I threw it out the window <laughs> fighting the orphan, of course. Because it also would have been laggy as hell. I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to uh, bring this up uh, in this podcast because mm. we've talked about you know from soft games so much, but mm. uh, I wanted to focus on the bosses of the old Hunters DLC because I'm loving that DLC. I hadn't played it before. I just kind of like watched stuff mm. about it, but the act of playing it has been incredible. I think it's such a great addition to the Bloodborne experience. Mm. Like the locations that you go to are visually stunning, but the bosses, man, they <laughs> kick my ass. The, the, if they're kicking your ass, dude, I'm never going to get through it. I like the, the Bloodborne itself was uh-huh. more difficult than I remembered it being, but most of the bosses were were fine. You know, a couple of goes and then they were dead. Mm. The first boss of the Old Hunters DLC, I think it is a Ludwig right. that you fight, and he I've heard of Ludwig. just absolutely goes to town on you with these combos and these hits that I just... I got to that moment that I haven't had since playing like Dark Souls and fighting Onstein and Smile or something, right. you know, thinking, will I be able to beat this boss? And it took me hours <laughs> and it's such a punishing DLC, but I'd forgotten that kind of Soulsian um headspace to be mm. in where you just think, This is this might be impossible. I might not get over this hurdle. I thought by playing so many of them, even recently in quick mm. succession, that I would have mastered the skills needed to not make it a cakewalk, mm. but to, you know, feel like I've overcome the odds. Mm. Here, it was like playing Dark Souls for the first time again. Because <laughs> is it like, is, I've heard, I, that's the thing, I've heard of the Ludwig fight, I've heard of the Orphan of Cost fight. Um, I never did Bloodborne's DLC for obvious reasons. Those who listen to our Bloodborne slash <laughs> FromSoft ranking will know. Um, but at the same time, is the Ludwig fight just way more melee based? Is it just like, get like learn these animations, learn these combos? Um, is there much chance to parry? Like, how did you eventually overcome it? Um, just like sheer person. Right. Like just literally memorizing everything. Yeah, literally it was a memorizing um, game. You know, I realized that so much more playing Bloodborne this time Mm. around. You know, when I played it through the first time, you can get through a lot of the base game just kind of on reflexes Mm. and by, you know, dashing as soon as you see the monster go do a move. Mm. But this was almost like a Dark Souls boss in how you needed to learn the exact movements so you were dodging at the right times and stuff. It was almost like a Dark Souls 3 boss. You know, Mm. it was a big beast, but it came at you in this very... um, um, decisive, very um, meticulous fashion where if you missed time to dodge or you missed timed a combo, it would just flatten you. And there's two stages, <laughs> a massive health bar, and I was a little bit under-leveled, and I was just thinking, uh, maybe I won't be able to get to finish this DLC. Maybe it's going to be just too much for me. So is that where you are right now? You're still fighting no. your way through? Okay. Fortunately, I yeah, fortunately, I beat that boss. The next two bosses were difficult, but not anywhere near as hard. Now I'm on the orphan, of course. That, right. was, that was the last thing I did last night, and I had about five or six attempts at him, and I can get him to the second stage, but he just flattens me so much. But the thing about Bloodborne is, and this is kind of where I concede that it could be better. You know the blood vial system. You have um, a maximum of 20 blood vials Mm -hmm. every time you go into a level, and you can get some in those levels, but you can never get more. If you Mm. get more, it goes to your stash, and you have to die to replenish them. The thing about that is, you can get to a point where you've got no blood vials, so in order to fight the boss again, uh, you have to go out and farm for more health Uh. items, which for me, that's always been a bit of a sticker, because I don't like the wasted time of Mm. getting down to zero, and then having to go out and farm some more. That always sucks, and that kind of puts the pressure on bosses, where I think, this is not as fun as it could be, because I don't want this added pressure 
of not only am I going to get beat and have to try again, but it's going to mean I have to grind for 20 minutes to get well, they this had back that, up. They kind of brought that back in Sekiro where like, I mean, I remember fighting Ishin the Sword Saint at the very end of that game. And if you, I mean, that's the whole thing because you have to use the spirit tokens to use the special abilities and obviously they're finite. And when you respawn, because it's all one timeline in theory, um, you don't get any of those, you're not getting those currencies back. So it was like, okay, I'm going to go and grind these again. But I just ended up fighting the Ishin, the swords in straight melee. Cause I was like, I can't be bothered to do a grind fest for 20, 20 minutes, yeah. 20 minutes, 30 minutes every time. Um, but overall has Bloodborne lived up to the, 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 the love Absolutely, and it's even better with this DLC I'm on. Mm. I'm so pleased I finally got a chance to play it, even if it has showed me who's boss. <laughs> the Orphan of course, is boss. Speaking <laughs> of other things, that's not even really a segue. Like speaking that. of news whatsoever, but there's various things to talk about. Um, the overall AAA drought continues, but it's not the business of the gaming industry isn't in full swing. Sue, so, there's a few things to touch on. Uh, one small thing, we're going to use this as just a jumping off point to talk about the Wolverine game in general, is that the lead animator over at Insomniac has tweeted their motion capture studio um, saying it won't be quiet and peaceful for very long. Now, this could be something relating to Spider-Man 2, um, but that seemed to be a story last year that they were um, wrapping up motion capture on Spidey. So it seems like Wolverine stuff is coming together. Now, the um, people over on the on the Reddit, I didn't get the specific name of the top commenter, um, but they were saying that Insomniac had noted in various interviews across the last few years that um, they do motion capture towards the end of development. So it mm. seems like Wolverine's script or the general concept of what that game is is more uh, you know complete than we think. But let's just use this as a jumping off point where you are on the on the wolverine game i forgot it existed Josh. i forgot it existed but only because we've had that one teaser and yeah. that's all we've seen which was enough to get me in because scott insomniac have been knocking it out the park recently the best dev in the world you might say i wouldn't go that far i would but, uh, i wouldn't you know be meeting you in a back alley to kick your head in <laughs> something i don't know where i was going with that it was supposed to be all over again no. yeah i wouldn't argue with it is what mm. i was trying to say in less visceral terms uh, because you know they've been putting out you know incredible high quality games at mm. such a rapid rate you know we've talked about this before how they've done you know spider-man miles morales in mm. a ratchet and clank after shipping spider-man before uh so they have been turning around these games so quick when it comes to wolverine though mm. that is fascinating imo because i love the wolverine character yes. and i think he has such potential in video game form as we have have seen in other titles like X-Men 2 Wolverine's Revenge, which yes. we mentioned last week, and of course, the X-Men Origins Wolverine game, which was way better than the movie. It now that is my biggest uh, sticking point with this. I wonder if they can get anywhere close to how good that game was, the X-Men <laughs> Origins game. Because the thing is, like, I watched the announcement for this, and I love Insomniac, like, I love their reach, I love what they were going for with Sunset Overdrive, I didn't think they nailed it, and I love just how well, obviously, they nailed the momentum in Spider-Man, and Ratchet and Clank, they, they're so pristine and polished, their animation, um, fidelity and flu uh, fluidity is just stellar, and that's why I was like, ah, Wolverine game, like, I know how that's gonna play. Like, for the most part. Hopefully they impress me, but I kind of was just, I looked at the teaser and I look at this project, and to me, it's its not that exciting. Like, mm. I feel like we've got, we've already had a brilliant Wolverine game, and I don't know what you can do that would let you elevate it above the X-Men Origins Wolverine game. And I know that's insane, because that game was tied to that terrible movie, but when you go back to that game, if you haven't played it, um, that game's approach to his healing factor, I don't know if you can ever beat that, where, like, they rendered, like, the skeleton structure, the musculature, and um, all the sinew, and then the skin on top, so when you got hit with bullets or melee attacks, it literally grinded, hit low down yeah. and you would watch him literally come back to, he'd literally heal in real time things like that I was like they're gonna have to either replicate that or think of something new and I just I was like insomniac and the amount of inventiveness they have I don't see that being applied to a Wolverine game but I hope so two things here first is the 
Wolverine Origins um, game. You yes. described that there as brilliant. It is. I wouldn't go that far again, but I also wouldn't meet you in the back alley to kick head in either <laughs> uh, because it had a lot of great ideas, like you mentioned, you know, that where the healing factor is um, handled in that game mm. is incredibly inventive and it mm. looks cool and sick as hell. But I don't think the game itself is, you know, a 8 out of 10 or a 9 out of 10. Oh, I wouldn't do say the face. It, it plays well. Yeah. It's good. I would recommend it, but I don't think that's the peak of... Um, Wolverine games in the same way oh. that something like Spider-Man 2 or Ultimate Spider-Man might have been considered the peak of Spider-Man games. Oh, and how that's you an interesting it. one. That's Is it really? Yeah, I think that's it. That, well, we'll find out who um, comes calling on social media, but I absolutely think the Wolverine Origins game is the absolute pinnacle of being a Wolverine in a game. Right. Well, I, th- I think it is right now. But what I'm saying is mm. I do think there is scope to take what that started and do it better, you know, uh, polish a lot of it up. Mm. And you are right that I can look at Insomniac's Wolverine game and think, I know what that's probably going to play like. Yes. But that's funny because I remember being back in 2017 or however long it would have been, probably on one of these podcasts, one mm. of the very earliest ones we've done, and you saying that exact same thing about Insomniac doing Spider-Man, saying, well, we've seen <laughs> Spider-Man in video game form before. What are they going to do to change it? I know how this is going to play. Mm-hmm. And while that may be true, I was just saying, I might argue, I might stick by that. Was exactly, but was Spider Man not still good, even if it was familiar? It was. I just, it's, it's, this depends what the team does. Like in that case, it was that we hadn't had, everyone was referring to the Spider-Man 2 movie game because we'd never had any other dev capitalize on open world. I mean, Web of Shadows, I always argued, was was the was closer, if not better, than Spider-Man 2. In terms of open world swinging and stuff, it felt like there was a gap in that conversation that someone should fill. And Insomniac were a good studio before that. Like obviously they hadn't um, done the, the, obviously now there's that recent run of the amount of projects that they've got right. Um, but yeah, it felt like there was a gap in that conversation for some big studio to come along and do the definitive Spider game, and I feel like they've done that, and that's brilliant. Like I said, in, in the Wolverine thing, maybe the amount of time that's passed mimics the amount of time since the Spider-Man 2 game, but I, just, I, I mean, and also the lack of availability of Wolverine kind of means that there is still a gap in that conversation, but I just, I look at Wolverine, I think there's less interesting stuff to do with him. Like Spidey, big open world acrobatic swinging physics, like that stuff is really cool. Yeah. Wolverine, it's going to be hack and slash. It's like, I don't know what else you can do with him. I, I, I'm, I'm open to ideas, but I just, that's what I'm most curious about. And I don't know what you do with that. Like Sunset Overdrive was big acrobatic parkour grinding on rails Ratchet and Clank's weapon design is ludicrously fun Um, Spidey you've got the physics stuff you've got the different gadgets I don't know what you do with the Wolverine character I know what you mean I think you know Wolverine inherently you know in terms of his combat style Mm. is you know this brutish like a little guy with the adamantium claws can heal a lot (laughs) he just gets in the thick of things oh if there's a bub button there will be a bub button there better be I want there to be a button where you can chop off someone's legs and then beat them to death with it (laughs) Uh, like Quan Chi yeah just take it straight off Uh, but where I was actually coming from for this is I fully agree you know you look at Wolverine's range of powers you kind of think I know how that's going to play Mm. or I kind of know what limitations they might be working under however uh, however when it comes to the story I think there's so much scope because we've never had a good Wolverine story in a game. The games I mentioned there, Mm. Wolverine Origins, X-Men 2, Wolverine's Revenge, both based on a movie obviously adding their own stuff, but we've never had Wolverine as a character. We've had Wolverine as an avatar for the player to cause mayhem, I would say, but we've never had like a proper focused Wolverine story in the same way that you got a Spider-Man story in Insomniac Spider-Man. That's very true. Insomniac did with Spidey and how they put their own spin on him, you know, updated him made their own universe. Mm. I want to see them do that for Wolverine and see how they can make him, or not even make him, but 
adapt him as the complex character that he has been in other sources. I tell you what, you, as you often do, you've made me do a 180 on this. Thank you. Because that's a really good point. If you do a really good introspective uh, script all centered on Wolverine, because so often he is portrayed as just the big hack and slash man, the man who says bub, the man who gets angry and spears people through the wall and whatever else with his claws. If you do the level of script writing that was in the Spider-Man game and kind of focus on that, um, I don't know, maybe I'd, I'd be more open to taking the sort of baseline hack and slash stuff. But I'm always going to be gameplay as King, so I'm always going to be like, what are they going to do on the gameplay side that of differentiates course. it? One more question, uh, yes. presumably before we move on. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the Wolverine game, Scott Telford, um, I don't know how you feel about the X-Men or just the Wolverine movies themselves, but do mm. you want to see Wolverine be accompanied by other Marvel heroes in this game, no. or would you just take it, Wolverine, on his own, like in some of the films? I, I pray for more standalone stuff across right. the board. Um, I think like, the, like, the on, the, on the Warner Brothers side, on the DC side but the Batman brilliant I don't need the crossover stuff that much um, I cringed a little bit seeing the Guardians turn up in the Thor trailer so I was like I just don't need it I don't need it lads um, I want I want something else I want the standalone stuff because um, we've had so many group things I want to um, focus more on the characters and do more character writing and I think the, the hook for me is what you described it's, it is that more um, you know like uh, taking the, the level of um, production quality that was applied to the Spider-Man game and the level of script writing that was there and applying that to Wolverine um, it's not like you can't do some stuff like obviously he's always going up against Sabretooth and like you kind of have you could do one of those like Nemesis 101 type things but I think completely separating him doing something like what was at the beginning of the original um, X-Men the Brian Singer one where he's um, or whoever directed the original X-Men yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where he's just in the he's in the, um, the in the club and he's in the cage and yeah. he's just fighting and it's like that's his life um, he's getting he's just he's barely getting by he barely has any money um, and he's just getting he's just taking the hits because he knows that he can and that's how he's making money and it's like give me that version of Wolverine um, where he's just sort of like, you can focus on all those things, being the, the wanderer, the traveler that just goes place to place. I'd take that in a, in a heartbeat because that's not been done totally. like, properly, yeah. With Wolverine as a character, you look at Spider-Man and yeah, you can have different interpretations of Spider-Man, but mm. you vaguely know what tone you're going to go for. You vaguely know what kind of color palette you're going mm. for. With Wolverine, you can go super serious, super gritty, super mm. mature, like the beginning of the movie, like you mentioned, you know, focus on him out of a costume on his own in the wilderness, or you can go full on superhero, get him in his yellow and uh, blue outfit, get him, <laughs> you know, fighting sentinels, having stopping world get conquering him things. Little short little lab with a cigar. Yes. And he's all like, hey, you know, he's like Danny DeVito. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you could. Yeah. You, know, you could get the third option where you just cast Danny DeVito as Wolverine. <laughs> the thing is, that's, that's so malleable mm. and that's so exciting that while the combat may be predictable or what have you, whatever Insomniac does with Wolverine is going to be fascinating. Mm. Whether they go full-on big superhero epic, whether they go more mature, character-driven thing like Logan. Like, that's so there's a lot of scope there. Yeah, I, I hope so. Next thing down is some of the most obvious news that could have ever happened. Battlefield 2042 has been data mined by um, the data miners, rather, Temporeal, um, who have dove into the latest patch and realized that there's a bunch of stuff planned for microtransactions, um, soldier weapon and vehicle cosmetics, XP boosts. Um, it's written up by MP First, and they noted that there are also files for five premium currency packages and tiers plus weekly and bonus missions for the upcoming Battle Pass. Is this the version of 2042 that anyone wants, Josh Brown? Scott, 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 I have... <laughs> 2042 problems. 2042 has let me down so much. Like, at launch, I was one of those... It's probably 
stupid fans at this point, you know, <laughs> saying it's it's a solid base. There's going to be, uh, you know, fun to be had. Mm. I played tens and tens of hours, almost 100 hours of that version of the game. Yeah. And I was just hoping for more updates. Obviously, then we got to this year and they were saying that the content that was planned for spring uh, was pushed back to summer. We're now getting into summer. Or Have the they actually got a scoreboard it. yet? They just got a scoreboard. Just got a scoreboard. They just got a scoreboard. Great. But they haven't added anything to the game um, that has gotten players back. Like you look at the player count and it's right it's incredibly low because mm. the content there hasn't been either redesigned enough to get people in or hasn't been um or there hasn't been enough content added to the game to get people back in mm. and stuff like currency stuff stuff like battle pass tiers and what have you i just don't think if that comes before the big first season mm. of content i just hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life pretty litter is veterinarian developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy terms and conditions apply see site for details quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature sleep number smart beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, what culture gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. 
I don't see how that's going to help the game other no. than um, monetize the few players that remain, which is just always the worst decision a business can make when mm. you have a dwindling player base panic and say, well, how do we get more money out of the people who are here mm. rather than how do we get more people into the game who could be buying it and then, you know, paying for quality content. It's weird as well because they 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 tried the whole get it in front of millions of people at once thing when they did the free trial through EA Play. And it's like, obviously that introduced a lot of people to a broken version of the game or a very very much unfinished version of the game. And I wonder if you just do that again. Like if they're, they're doing a whole free-to-play model and then it's like, just try and advertise it, get it in front of people, let them try the new build of the game with the scoreboard and maybe they have more fun with it, but maybe because they've burned that approach before, people en masse just go, well, I tried that and it was terrible. I'm not going to go back in just because you've patched it. Um, it's in such a weird space. And I remember this time uh, last year, or at least across last year, when it was like, oh my God, we're actually going to be going into, um, you know, we're going to have like Call of Duty, Halo and Battlefield all firing on all cylinders, all coming back at once. And none of them have really landed. We have a story about Halo in a bit. Um, but at the same time, it's just, we're in such a weird space. And obviously, well, assumedly, obviously rather, um, a lot of it will just be COVID related. A lot of it might just be the fact that, you know, the teams couldn't coalesce the way that they wanted to. But it also seems like because EA are no stranger to cutting the head off something and, and then pushing it out the door anyway, that that's kind of what this is. Yeah, totally. I mean, it just feels like with this game, if you're looking at the reports and some of the rumors about what might have happened behind the scenes, mm. it's almost as if anything that could have gone wrong went wrong. You know, yeah. similar to the um, Halo story that we're going to get to soon, you mm. know, there was a rumor about the multiplayer having to be overhauled. Some say it might have originally been a Battle Royale title and then that was changed to be a more classic <laughs> Battlefield title. Mm. And now, you know, a lot of the issue is with stuff like the specialists, which is a core part of the experience. And you can't just go in and take those out. Mm. It's 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 a heavy, heavy retooling that the game needs. Mm. Um, it's just that that retooling, a retooling of that size is going to take so long and in the meantime, you know, players like me are just kind of wondering what reason there is to continue playing, you yeah. know? Even the, some of the stuff that they added, some of the cosmetic um, weekly challenges that they added in was just like, it's it's a white weapon. It's a, it's a snow camo <laughs> weapon. And there was just these weapon skins over oh, and over again gosh. that were barely exciting at all. And it's like, there needs to be more. Yeah. Call of Duty Vanguard, you know, kind of dropped off. But at least mm. that was a solid experience with a lot of customization and stuff and it's had some support. Mm. We, I don't know what the reason is that Battlefield hasn't had that support and even Halo to, a, to, to some extent. But these big marquee titles keep coming out with the promise of more content. And then I buy into the promise of more content, hoping <laughs> that these good foundations get better with time mm -hmm. and then it's the end of April going into May and you've had no real update. And then also on the EA side, you know, they'll be planning whatever the next Battlefield is. It's always that thing, that was another rumor from a few weeks ago where it was like, they're just wiping their hands of this and going on to the next Battlefield because it's that's just, you can do another marketing campaign, you can try again and people are more reticent to just assumedly doing that. Um, but yeah, it's in a hell of a state. I think that um, there's a potential for just a free-to-play Battlefield 2042 that has the microtransactions if they get the balancing right yeah. and if things play better and it's not buggy and you can just marvel at the spectacle of all the storms and stuff maybe somewhere in there is an enjoyable experience but modern warfare 2 is about to drop anyway so it's like that's going to take all the wind out of it regardless 100 man like i i hope it gets better you know i've invested enough time and i do think what is there is genuinely enjoyable when you do have a good game and it mm. could be something 
better. It's just the more we go without any like big content drops, the more we see, you know, leaks like this, which suggests uh, more vicious monetization. It's mm. just, it's not a good look. And it's funny that so many of the big franchises, man, in video games right now are in this weird state of flux, are in this kind of weird state where new directors are coming in, you know, they're changing and they're shifting their focus. We've got mm. Assassin's Creed Infinite, Infinity, which is merging two of the Assassin's Creed teams to do a live service. We've got, um, obviously, Battlefield, the respawn guys, Vince Ampella's kind yes. of come in to oversee the Battlefield right now. That's in a state of transition. Uh, Halo, obviously, that's kind of a bit out of there now when Joseph Staten came back mm. to 343, but that is also... Two whole new maps, Josh. Flux, two whole maps. But all of these big video game franchises just kind of don't seem to have anyone at the helm at the moment in no, time, not really. that's really steering them in a creative direction. It's almost mm. like they're just these things that exist and we're throwing bodies at them to get new games out. It's it's strange. Well, that, that, that's so indicative of the problem across so much top tier entertainment or big budget entertainment, especially in the Hollywood thing. That was the Warner Brothers report that came out that they realized yeah. they needed a Kevin Feige. Like you're gonna need some sort of auteur, some sort of creative person to like lead the troops kind of thing. Cause you can't just go, um, you know, design by committee. Historically is not a way to make anything of any artistic merit, um, but you do see that across the board. And yeah, that's it's an interesting place where um, these games are at because I, I just don't know if this is salvageable at all. Like, I think that the, um, the free-to-play thing, the microtransaction thing, um, like I said, some people might give it a shot, but to me, they've already burned that approach anyway with the EA Play stuff. Um, to pivot, pivot across into Halo Infinite, um, there's this um, story that came out from Chris Reagan, podcaster, YouTuber, whatever, um, speaking about the fact that um, he did like sort of a cryptic tweet saying, like, hey, wouldn't it be crazy if it came out that Halo Infinite was actually going to be a hero shooter um, for the majority of its development or a substantial amount of its development um, and then it was um, you know converted into the version that we got now wouldn't that be crazy if that was the truth um, which obviously a lot of people ran with and he's mentioned on his podcast Sacred Symbols that he does have um, you know links to people from 343 and then Jason Schreier over on Bloomberg um, commented on the post on I think it was on Reddit where it was written up um, saying that he can largely corroborate that stuff but not the amount of time that it stayed as a hero shooter it was just Halo was going to be a hero shooter going to be an Overwatch type thing an X Defiant type thing um, but it was a prototype. It wasn't ran with for a substantial amount of time. Thinking of it that way is largely false, but it's not to say that there wasn't a hero shooter version of Halo um, in the works. And so we should talk about that for a second. Like Halo Infinite is having a bit of a rough time. Like it's, and it's weird because it's about to launch season two, but it's about to launch a season two that is six months long. And the season mm. two um, that's about to come has two new maps um, and I think three or four new game modes. Now, one of them sounds cool. Last Spartan Standing sounds cool. Um, where you're, um, I think it's, it's, it's kind of their early version of Battle Royale where it's um, 12 different Spartans, 12 different people go up against each other and it's limited resources and you're trying to just you know potentially use different tactics to survive until the end um but halo infinite also has a proper battle royale coming later this year um now i didn't write down the name of the developer but microsoft have greenlit a standalone halo battle royale and that is coming that's separate to infinite um which is crazy to me because i'm just like if you're gonna actually do this it should probably be a mode plugged into halo itself like if you're gonna do a platform that's what halo infinite was meant to be um do it that way but it just halo infinite feels so stretched and just threadbare and it's I mean I'm playing it like I always have a, um, a casual game that I play on the way to other things like if I'm on the way between Sonics I'm going to play something else <laughs> and so I dip into Halo Infinite and so but it's the same experience every time like it's the same small selection of maps and they're about to try and change that with two new ones but even they are mode specific Yeah. so it's just it's in such a weird space and it has that um, energy that a lot of new Ubisoft has when, um, Ubisoft stuff has when it gets announced where as soon as they tweeted you know season 2 here's what's going to be in season 2 people are just hating it there's, there's that default 
towards, oh, guys, it's not enough thing. Yeah. And I feel sorry for them, but it's in such a state. Stretched, I think, is a really great word. And it's, it's <laughs> like Kirby. Kind of a stretched Over like an entire Kirby. fan base. Stretched like that little freak. He's a little madman. Because uh, it's like there's no excuse for relief for like, these big franchises to no. feel this stretch, this devoid of content. If you plan a live service like this that mm. you're supposed to support for maybe 10 years and you don't have the content to back it up, mm. something's fundamentally gone wrong then, whether it's because too much time was spent on these prototypes and you had to throw out work and retool mm. work or what, it still doesn't change the fact that a game like Fortnite, for instance, <laughs> is kind of showing you up. Like, I don't want to be here appraising Fortnite, but that oh, as, a, Fortnite. as a live service title with yeah. constant, you know, updates and new maps being thrown in, new game modes, new events, mm. new crossover as a what, it feels like a substantial bit of content. And again, not one to praise Ubisoft, but if you look at something like Rainbow Six Siege and how that turned itself around with mm. its seasons, with its, um, you know, playable characters, with its um, events, with its new maps and stuff, there was always something substantial to look forward to. Whereas when it comes to Battlefield, when it comes to Halo, it's it feels like their seasons are made up of the, the, the it's the name only, minimum. really. Like, it, yeah, it's yeah. in name only. It's just you know these armor parts that you don't care about. It's two maps for six months, and it's it might be fine content, but live services. If you're going to make a live service, it needs to be it needs alive. to be it needs to be alive. <laughs> there you go. You hit on the head. Not just jolted with a couple of pads every now and then and bring yeah. it back to life for a bit. One map on each. One thing <laughs> just to try and inject something. Um, one thing. This thing that's we're talking about here. I think the the hero shooter thing because so many games and even when Overwatch was at its peak, Overwatch has died in itself. Like mm. I mean, like, who cares about Overwatch too? And that's like that got delayed. Now it's coming out later this year in theory. But the Overwatch boom was obviously substantial. It was humongous. I remember when I went to, it was EGX that year, and there were just humongous statues of everyone from Tracer to whatever those other characters are called at this point. I was a huge Overwatch fan. I can't remember what the names of them were. But at the same time, that boom was so big that you can tell, obviously that was um, six years ago now, the amount of different uh, games that were put into development as, okay, do that, but for this. And that's what X Defiant's going to be. It's what Battlefield was chasing with the operators. Um, even Rainbow Six, like, you know, kind of has that approach in terms of the operators that, them, themselves. And the idea that Halo would ditch what makes Halo, Halo, um, it, which is literally the idea that you're as equal as me going in and it's whatever you whatever you do in there that lets you win the, the whole combat chess side of it um, which is completely ditched that for um, you know taking what people hated from Halo Reach and Halo 4's multiplayer um, i.e. classes and then make it so you know you're the one Spartan you're the one Covenant maybe yeah. you're the, or the Elite um, maybe you're one of the UNSC soldiers like a grunt but like you have this like I can see the boardroom meshing together with fingers for that but like that would have killed it Absolutely, and you look at the, all those games you kind of mentioned there that took inspiration from hero shooters, and you look at stuff like Lawbreakers. You look. There's not a single like one has worked. Battleborn. No one has worked, and other games have incorporated hero shooter style features, mm. like you mentioned Rainbow Six. Call of Duty did it for a little bit with um, Black Ops mm -hmm. in particular. You know, you had operators and specialists in there as but well. Black Ops Three. Totally, oh. but how do they not? get that the more you stray away from your franchise's own identity to chase the trends, mm. uh, that you're going to lose your franchise's identity. But more than that, how do you not look at the failures and then worry that it might happen to you? <laughs> how, like, what arrogance is 
does someone at Microsoft look at Battleborn or Lawbreakers mm. and think the only thing wrong with those was that they weren't called Halo? That's why they <laughs> failed. They didn't have a big enough name behind them. I just don't get that thinking whatsoever. Why would you add specialists into Battlefield and make it more of a hero shooter thing yeah. when that's not what people want from it? And it's just, it's a classic case, I think, of publishers telling the audience what they want and not listening to what they actually uh, want and yeah. what, they, what they need. Or what is, like what I mentioned before, about that sort of weird overall corporate approach to stuff, thinking they're listening by looking at aggregate stuff and test audiences and yeah. things like that. And Well, the data shows this. And it's like that you need to bring it all the way back around to the likes of a Kevin Feige type or whoever, like what happened with Anthem, um, where um, Corey, whatever he's called, the dude that was the head of Mass Effect 3, whose name I'm completely forgetting, Man with black hair or black beard, I forget what he's called. Oh my God, how do, Casey... Casey Hudson. That's it. Um, black beard, black hair, that's what he's called. Uh, Mr. Casey Hudson, um, they initially set you know, this idea out of what Anthem could be, and then obviously he left um, Bioware, and then you just have this nebulous team just trying to get there with no creative vision. It tanks everything every single time, um, and is only more infinite, well, only more applicable to the likes of something like Halo Infinite. Um, but as soon as Joseph Staten came back, he's doing what he can, but you can, the windows into how or what Halo Infinite was going to be, um, the more um, people like we're going to talk about it are fascinating terrifying and just insane 100 <laughs> trying to make it work speaking of trying to make it work a siphon filter is coming back yeah in different boy. different ways um now this is from the game rating committee of korea who registered various siphon filter games uh, siphon filter one two dark mirror and logan shadow never played that logan one. shadow the most overrated sorry most overlooked Ooh. possibly the game of all time i don't know but Ooh. siphon filter logan shadow is phenomenal and like the best siphon filter by a country Tell me why. Well, so this was the one, obviously Siphon Filter is known for having that weird run where you sort of run with your hips and you sort of run around and has the, the taser that sets people on fire, it made no sense, it was oh, cool. Yeah. You oh, like yeah. Siphon Filter 1, I never did, I was just, I was a Metal Gear kid, I was never on board with Gabe Logan. Both, man. No, yeah, both. No, arguing in the playground about why Solid Snake was better than Gabe Logan, that was me. I was doing the Gabe Logan run in the playground. <laughs> <laughs> Running sideways, <laughs> like a crap man. And so um, it took for me, Siphon Filter 1 didn't click, I barely checked in again. I remember the one where you had the custom protagonist, um, that one sort of like, you know, failing as well. And I got Logan's Shadow on PSP, and the reason that that clicked was because they varied the, the approach that you could take. Um, you could do some stealth, you could do um, different headshots, and then you could run in and do all guns blazing, you could take cover. Um, there were different ways that you could get through those levels, and it was just how satisfying that all felt. Like, um, just literal gameplay terms. Like for me, Siphon Filter never felt that satisfying. Um, whereas Logan Shadow, it just had all those really meaty approaches to action games. And you had the the wider sort of context of a 24 adjacent, Tom Clancy adjacent storyline um, that it worked. And I feel like Logan Shadow, um, it's just, that was always the one where I was like, this is so good. Right. And no one cares because it's on the PSP. And they eventually re-released it on PS2. But then it was dogged with what was at the time the go-to criticism of, well, it's a PSP game on a PS2. How good can it be? Blah, blah, blah. It was brilliant. And I it was always on the PSP. I need to play it because yeah. I never played that one. And like you said, I was a big fan of the early Siphon Filter games. Uh, and if that's the one that got you in, my friend, it must be of high Do you know quality. what I didn't say as part of this uh, leak thing is Go that on. they are registered to come to the PlayStation 4 or the PlayStation 5 or yes. and the PlayStation well, 5. Well, so presumably this is for the new PlayStation Plus service, be. right? Yeah. yeah, well, it must be. I mean, so the PlayStation Premium stuff that's coming up, um, which hopefully we'll actually get to see the library of next month Hope because so. it's first release date, I think, is the 28th of May in 
in uh, Asian territories. And so I think that, or Asia rather, so I think that um, they'll have to release something across May to show what those people are going to be buying. Um, or we can wait until launch day and then look into that stuff. But in terms of the consoles that are included, PS1, PS2, PS3, PSP, um, Siphon Filter 1 and 2 is PS1, and then Dark Mirror and Logan Shadow are PSP, unless they just take the PlayStation 2 version. Well, this is what's going to be exciting about this service, potentially, mm. is that a lot of these games that are just really difficult to get hold of <laughs> right now and not really accessible for people who don't own these old consoles or just don't want to buy a PSP for one game, because mm. why would you? Why would you? Uh, can experience them. And like me, I had a PSP, but I barely played anything on that. I played <laughs> Metal Gear Acid and... That might be literally it. I, I love any of the games. Metal Gear Acid so much. Well, this is it. Will we get Metal Gear Acid for this service, Scott Taylor? It depends if Konami want to play ball. They should, because mm. it would be good. Metal Gear Acid and Metal Gear Acid 2 are phenomenal card-based Metal Gear games. I heard the sequel was really good. I only played yeah. the first, but I don't like card-based games. You don't, do you? But I, no. I want to deploy your card that lets me play the... I want to play the cardboard box when I put the card down. I, and then I want to play the card that lets me fire off three exact rounds of a Famous, and then I want to go back in my... Card again. See, there's Hold. probably something to that, but I want to click the left trigger and get the lovely, lovely early Metal Gear Solid menu up and then get the cardboard box. From yeah, that. so Metal Gear Acid 2 was the one where it went all cell shaders and Acid, and Acid 2 aren't canon anyway, but like Snake looks a bit bit different in them. He looks a bit more like Kurt Russell um, okay. than he does in Metal Gear 2. He's got like shaggier hair. It's, it's a thing. And I think he dished his hair in uh, Acid 2. Point being <laughs> that there are many overlooked gems on yes. the PlayStation Portable. Um, like even on GTA's side, if Rockstar, like Rockstar wants to play a ball, Liberty City Stories, Vice City Stories, like things that could do with coming across. Yes, like I I know so many old friends from school who would absolutely lose their mind if those PSP GDA titles yeah. were suddenly readily available. Yeah. Like there are, I feel like there are a lot of easy wins in that regard, to play the nostalgia card. And, you know, mm. it's an easy card to play, but it's also, like, missing an open goal if you choose to not do it at this well, point like to get the, an easy win for your new service. Yeah, the PSP library has a ton of really awesome... And the VR library, too. I took, when they first announced this, as um, they said something like, you know, including games from PS1, PS2, PS3, and PlayStation Portable Systems, I took that as their grouping together of PSP... PlayStation Minis potentially on the PS Go and PS Vita. I increasingly think it's just PlayStation Portable right. and the Vita is being left to die as it has been for the last 10 years. They can't do that, surely. I don't know. I, I hope not because the Vita has way better games than the PSP yeah. and tons of really cool one-offs. Um, but at the same time, the, if we just go PSP, there, there are loads, there are lots of really cool, um, just little portable games. Like Pursuit Force was a really cool game um, all about you know jumping between different cars on the go or boats on the go, very arcadey. Um, going into slow motion in between uh, when you're in midair and taking dudes out and then jacking their car and then taking someone else down. Really cool little games. Like, that deserves to be on there. Question is, though, I mean, yes. I, I'm fully with you, but do those games not lose something of their appeal when you do play them on a regular console? Because I remember mm. trying to play uh, Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker, which by all accounts is oh, an God, exceptional yeah. title. Yeah. But I played that on, I guess it would have been the Xbox or something. Uh, not portable being mm. the, the the main part well, of this, and I just couldn't get into it, man. Like, yeah, something about it. They have it. There's the, uh, another mass. That's why I'm dying to know what this service is because there's so there are so many question marks around um, upscaling and whether they've gone back. Because the thing is, like, you take a PSP's um, any like Peace Walker, and you had that in the HD collection. It looked blocky and ropey, and it, you could tell it was made to be played in portable chunks. And so I wonder, um, yeah, how they potentially get around that? Are these just the base versions of these games? Hopefully, upscaled or whatever. But I have another massive question around, you know, have they designed a UI to, to overlay on top of these games the way that the Nintendo Switch, um, you know, overlay does or the way that something like the Sega Ages stuff does um, or whatever, something that lets you, you know, sort of bring up a menu on top of everything. Like you save wherever you want or something like that. Um, 
things that you would have, or people, um, things that people do have in the emulation scene. So I'm, I'm, I have so many questions about how they're doing all this stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think that, um, yeah, in regards to Siphon Filter, um, that's a that's a decently sized IP to sort of try and remind people of and launch your system with. However, the last time Siphon Filter was revisited was the PlayStation Classic, and that was the original version of the game that still played pretty bad. And it owned, my Did friend. It? I. Got a siphon, not got a siphon filter. I got a PlayStation Classic <laughs> partly to play Siphon Filter One again. <sighs> Will and you get a PlayStation Premium to play Siphon Filter One, Two, Dark Mirror, and Logan? I Channel? would do anything to see <laughs> my friend Gabe do that run one more time, Mister Logan. The thing is, like, yeah, there's a, there's so much potential with this service, um, and this this is a good indicator that they're targeting the right stuff and the right collections of games. Because um, if you just had like a Siphon Filter tile on some sort of service and it kicked out, you know, a range of games from the PS One, the PS Two. In the PSP, that is the right direction. Well, we were talking earlier about, you know, Sonic having 30 years worth of history Hell suddenly yeah, available on the dashboard. And I think that's what these services need to drill into. Mm. You need that accessibility to be able to jump from IP to IP and go to the franchises you like and have not only the games that you know you love on there, mm. Siphon Filter 1 and 2, but these obscure titles that you always wanted to play and you never got around to it or you weren't able mm. to afford it and stuff. That's what I love about these services. Even PS Now, which is a little bit ropey, you know, it allowed me to play all the God of Wars and then dip yeah. in to the PSP God of War games if I wanted to. There's this completionist mentality that mm. I really hope Sony approaches the PlayStation Plus collection with. Do you know what they need? Uh, and I pitch this to you and Go everyone on. listening. Someone out there, find someone from Sony and make sure they do this. Franchise-wide trophies, something that rewards me for being the ultimate fan of a whole IP or a whole franchise. Give me like, you know, like complete this level and then this level and this level and this boss battle and whatever. And that unlocks like this group trophy that sort of recognizes that like, hey, hey, by the way, you love this, don't you? You love the Metal Gears. You love the Sonics. Give me that. I think the Mass Effect Legendary Edition had yes. that, which was good. Yep. And I do want to see more, uh, it implemented more because yeah. that's like a, such a cool recognition of, yeah, you love this franchise, like you yeah. said, you know, and you're performing these actions all the way through these games. Hell yeah, thank you for sticking with them. That one, uh, in Mass Effect's case, kind of breaks the PlayStation UI, where you can't, it doesn't know it doesn't. how to handle like both <laughs> layers of trophies. Um, but if they did something in the future where, let's just say that this service is brilliant, um, and they do something in the future that lets, you know, entire, like you said, like entire franchises of, of um, different franchises appear in full, they should design a first party, like wider trophy thing that just lets you sort of like monitor entire franchises. I think that would be a cool thing to do, um, providing they can actually get all the IP on there in the first place, like all the Tekkens or whatever it is. All the um, Tekkens. All the thing, every single Tekken, but really only Tekken 3 is all I need. No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. Oh, Tekken, no. Tekken 2, 3, and 4. Tekken, okay. Okay, yeah, okay. I, mm, Tekken mm. 3, I, well, I, I Tekken 4 is like the experimental crazy one. Yeah. I don't, yeah. We've been through this. He's got a hood. I There's love, a I love I, that game is worth it for the hood. And yes. his new gloves. He has those cool gloves. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Speaking of cool gloves, it's the end of the wind-up and Woo. all the different news things going on in the gaming industry. Um, we'll keep an eye on stuff across the rest of this week and maybe we'll play new games. I don't even know. Maybe we'll play something. I'm this, not going to do that. I'm probably not going to do that. I was debating getting Wreckfest again. <laughs> I was debating paying the £10 so I can play that with a higher frame rate. That's how gone I am. Hey, I played five minutes of that game, so you can have my copy if you no, want. You haven't got that on next gen, though, have you? Not, um, uh, maybe. Ooh. I've got it on PlayStation 5. Oh, Do you I? bought the fancy one and you still didn't play much of it. I might not have now you mention it. Why must you wound me, Josh Brown? <laughs> I can't believe this. Um, but this has been the wind-up. I've been Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Tilford. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you, and we'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.